Welcome back to the No Name Football Podcast, brought to you by myself, Jason McKee, my co-host, the legendary, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, fresh off a vacation, coming back from (laughs) Disney. He's been hanging with Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and Goofy, and we get a little goofy on our show, but we're glad to have him back here. My guy, my brother, perennial pro bowler, Bears 100 all-time great. My man, the legend, Mr. Olin Cruz, brother. How you doing, man? I'm good, Jay. Um, I'm laughing because I think we talked about, we, we both know we don't want to say exactly where Devin Hester lives, so they don't, people don't yeah. go down there and stalk him in Orlando, True. but uh, I was talking to him before I went down about going to Disneyland. He said, Olin, get that ice tub ready <laughs> for after you're done. And he was right. <laughs> he I was bet. right about the uh, getting ice tub, the, the full day of walking, uh, oh. the roller coasters nowadays, I mean- I told him, I said, man, it feels like it's nine on seven when I come down that roller coaster. Oh, for those who don't know, uh, nine on seven, that's inside run yeah. drill. Uh, that's um, put your mouthpiece in. Yes. Buckle your chin strap. Yes. Especially on what, power old day. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no passing in that. No. There's no keys. Everybody's just straight downhill. And the defense calls it nine on seven, J Mac, but we both know it's nine on nine. Yes. The safeties, they show up all of a sudden out of yeah. nowhere and uh, Mike Brown is yelling, woo! Yeah. If they make yeah. every tackle because no one's accounting no, yeah, for Yeah, nobody's Mike Brown. even blocking Mike Beasy, man. He's like, yeah, hey, J Mac, you see me, J Mac? I'm like, Mike, like, man, what if it was play action? You would have got burned. Witness nine on seven. It's nine on seven, big time. <laughs> Missed that dude, man. Kyle, that was some good times, man. Mike B. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, but but we had a good time. Jay, it was good to be back. Uh, went down to Illinois on Thursday. Mm. Uh, went down to their field. They had their spring game. Uh, my oldest son, like you know, Joshua, is playing down there. Mm-hmm. Um, played center for the second string team. Uh, fighting for a job down there. Uh, they're, they're all working at it. You know, yep. watching those young guys. Brings yeah. back memories. Brings back yeah. memories of, of trying to earn jobs and uh, going through the process of developing your game. Mm-hmm. And that's what those guys are doing down there. Coach Bilma uh, doing a nice job trying to change the culture, yep. trying to change the atmosphere atmosphere down there and create a consistent winner so it was good to be down there um you know the, the typical after a spring game go have some chinese food and, yeah uh you know after all the popcorn and the turkey legs <laughs> at, at disneyland and the chinese food i had to come back and clean up the diet a little bit <laughs> uh, get back on the treadmill on the bike uh, i burned some calories but uh oh, man. what was going on here j mag with carmel catholic i know yeah. you guys are up there the kids are still working yeah just working man just continuing our off season you know, morning workouts, afternoon lifts. Uh, it's pretty cool now because we have, you know, it's the open period in terms of colleges can, uh, you know, college coaches can actually come to the school now so they can, you know, they can meet with you and talk about players that you have. And we've had a, a few schools come through. So it's exciting for the kids um, to, you know, to be, able, to be able to see these guys coming through the hallways. You know, they're meeting with myself and another coach that I have on staff that deals with the academic side. So uh, they get to see, you know, these coaches and, and it gets them inside. And I love it because it, it just it just ignites another fire in them, mm. you know, and they see like, man, you know, there's. At such and such school is here. You know, I know I need to make sure I stay in that weight room, <laughs> but not just stay in the weight room. Now I got to up my weight. You know, it just motivates yeah. them. And I, it's I just, saw on your Instagram, Patrick Jewell. Is that right? He's going to yeah. North uh, North, Central North Central College. Good for him. Congratulations to him. So that's what yeah. you're talking about. They get to yeah. see uh, um, actual other teammates moving on, yeah. coaches in the hallway, yep. see their dreams. See their dreams. And, and then they see it's attainable now. You know, it's, right. it's one thing as coaches – 
you know, we talk to our kids all the time about college coaches and what they're looking for. And, you know, we went that experience as well. And, I'm, you know, you tell them you're telling them all this. Right. And it's coming from you. And you tell them this all the time. But then they actually see the coaches there. And I'm like, wow, you know, coach wasn't BSing. like this is this is a goal that I that I can actually achieve and a goal that I've been working for. And for me, it's just it's just a blessing and a great opportunity to be able to to aid in that process, to aid in them achieving their goals. And, you know, I tell our kids, whether you you go on to, to play college ball or not, if you just go on to college and, and you know, you get uh, good grades and stuff like that, that's a win. You know, that's a really good goal as well. That That is exactly what is the most important thing yes. for, you know, like, I don't have to tell you, you're a high school coach, but developing these kids, uh, getting them on their way because yep. you can use football as a tool to get yourself into school, yeah. uh, get your degree, uh, learn how to study, learn how to work hard, learn persistence. I mean, you got these guys, we talked about a lot of times on this podcast, up early in the morning training before yes. they got to go to school. Yes. Uh, they're learning what it takes to be successful in life. So uh, that's awesome. Always love to see uh, that kind of stuff, J-Mac, later on. On this podcast, we will have Brad Biggs, mm-hmm. Tribune reporter, on to talk about all things Bears. Nobody knows more about yeah. the Chicago Bears than Brad Biggs. But, uh, J-Man, let's start yesterday with Ryan Pose's press conference. Mm-hmm. He finally heard from him uh, right before the draft. Obviously, he always speaks. Congratulations to Robert Quinn and Khalil Herbert on winning the Piccolo Award, the Brian Piccolo. We know how important that award is to the Chicago Bears and their organization. But um, Robert Quinn, what a year, man. 18.5 sacks. Mm. And Khalil Herbert, when he did play, um, when Montgomery got hurt, he did a he did a hell of a job. So you can see him winning kind of kind of shocked that it wasn't Justin Fields, but that 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 was surprising to me that Justin Fields didn't win the the Piccolo where I thought he yeah. played pretty well yeah. too. So, but uh, shows you what kind of respect that that players there and coach or uh, well, the players vote for the award have for Khalil Herbert. But what did you think about the things Ryan Pose had to say? I, the thing I, I found interesting is when he said this. We don't use the term rebuild yeah, why was, we're rebuilding. Right. That's where I was going to go. You know, he referenced you know late at night watching you know the. Uh, what is it? HGTV. I watch that a lot too. I watch Fixer Upper. I watch Hometown and right. the remodeling shows. You know, I'm trying to learn stuff. And we know, brother, we talk about it a lot when we're not on uh, on the radio show about doing things to our house and you know wishing we knew how to do it ourselves mm-hmm. instead of paying somebody X amount of dollars to do it. But uh, you know, I get what he's saying. You know, there's certain parts of of the roster and the team that you know may not need fixing, mm-hmm. and there's other parts that may need a whole overhaul or a remodel. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day. We know it's a rebuild. I mean, you have, I don't know how many guys they have on their roster right now. You bring, what, 90 in the camp? Mm-hmm. I think they have, I think, 60-something guys, 65 guys. I mean, that's a rebuild, brother. A lot of work to do. That's a rebuild, and I know they don't want to use that term. They can't use that term because us as Bears fans, you say rebuild, it makes us think that they're doing what? Makes us think that they're going to tank the season, mm-hmm. right, or not really put a high emphasis on this season and look forward to the next season where they'll have a lot more cash to spend in free agency and certain things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a rebuild. Yeah, it really is. And you're listening to the No Name uh, Football Podcast with uh, Jason McKee here. You can find him at jmac 37 on Twitter. You can find me at Olin underscore Crutes. Look, um, whatever you want to call it, when, when you don't go out, now, they did try to get Larry Ogunjobi. Right. Um, they did try to get Brian Allen. They did not get them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they cleared some salary cap, not for this year, but for next year's space by trading Khalil Mack, right? Getting rid of Eddie Goldman, uh, moving on from Danny Trevathan. There were a lot of moves they made that made you 
thing they're pointing to next year, but they do have to redo this roster, whatever you yeah. want to call it, uh, a rebuild, a reset, a, a remodel, fixer upper, fixer upper whatever, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> right. uh, there's a lot of fixing up to do uh, for this Chicago Bears team. Uh, another thing I found interesting that he talked about, uh, J-Mac, he talked about that he kind of alluded to the fact that he may want to move back and yeah. collect some more picks because like you just said, they only have 60 guys on their roster. Yes. They do need more bodies. They need more young football players. And he said that what's really important to him is homegrown talent. Yes. The guys that he develops, that him, like Ian Cunningham, that building, bring them in young. Uh, he talked about that wide receiver market, how it's going kind of crazy now with, yeah. you know, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams contracts, even, um, Christian Kirk, yeah. the money he got from the Jaguars, right? right. So, uh, th- that, uh, market is exploded. So it's important to get these guys young when you don't have to pay them as much early on in their career. Yeah, and, and you bring in young talent, you know, via the draft and undrafted free agents, which will be a, a high emphasis this year within terms of how many draft picks we have. There's going to be a lot of undrafted free agents that will have an opportunity to make this roster, you know, at the same time. And bringing in young talent just elevates the, the play of everybody else. Because if you're a veteran, you got a young guy coming in, right? He, he, he may be fashioning you. Now, he may not have the experience that you have, but he may be fashioning you. You know, he didn't have all the, the mileage on his body like you may have. So you got to come in and, and be ready. Because, and another thing too, you look at it, it, dollars and cents, he's getting paid less than you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, we know it's a business. So if they got a guy who's going to make less than you are and you're a veteran and he can do the same thing that you can do, well then, hey, they're gonna they're gonna make that move. So it's it's something that you know we got to look at in terms of him, you know, continuing to develop this roster, brother. Oh, continuing to try to fill the holes that are in that's in this roster. And you know, you talked about wide receiver, which is which is a big hole. You know, he brought some other guys in, but it's still a lot of guys are unknown. But the good thing is, you know, all those guys you mentioned, Devontae Adams, Christian Kirk, all these guys, you know, at one point in their career when they first came into the league, you know, they were you know sort of an unknown. They had to come in improve themselves so a lot of guys on this roster not just the wide receiver position it's gonna guys are gonna have an opportunity to prove themselves yeah. to make noise to establish themselves and you know that's what he said every every press conference that he's had you know that the thing that i i'm encouraged by is the he says the development homegrown talent you know he puts a high emphasis on development he says he wanted to make sure that coaching staff was comprised of teachers and not just coaches and there's a little bit of a difference you know a coach a coach has to be a teacher he has to be a developer he has to be able to teach individuals one the scheme the skill set to execute the scheme that you're putting in place but he has to be stern in that development on a consistent basis to where he's going to say look we got to continue to work on these fundamentals regardless what position you're playing so that way when we go out there on Sunday, you know, I know that I've done everything in my power as a coach, as a teacher, to put you in position to be successful on that football field. Yeah, and, and that's a big job. It's a big job, job for everybody in that building, right? And, and it's we talked about many a times on our podcast, the development of football players mm-hmm. at Hallis Hall has been lacking, especially the wide receiver, yeah. offensive line, quarterback position. So uh, they got to get that moving in the right direction. And Ryan Pose knows that when, when he he's in there right now uh, looking probably at the history of Chicago Bears and saying, okay, how can we turn this around? Because you got to always go back and say, okay, why aren't Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace here anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't score points. They yeah. couldn't put the ball in the end zone. That really was their problem. So uh, with all this stuff that's being said, what have we done 
to get better at putting the ball in the end zone. Well, the biggest argument you could make is they've changed the scheme so yeah. far. So far, they've changed the scheme. Uh, they signed Lucas Patrick. They si- they tried to sign uh, Bates from the Buffalo Bills, but mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills matched that contract. They signed a few tight ends. Mm-hmm. They signed Brian Pringle. Uh, he will stay away from doing donuts in the parking lot with your son, even though my dad used to do donuts with me in the car. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. We, we've all been through yeah, some that's of why that. I never yeah. comment on that because I'm like, yeah, I've, yeah. Done, I've done crazy stuff all, like that too. You got to admit it. You know, yeah, well, He's a young no, guy I, too. I, I, I said on the CHGO podcast, um, my the, uh, two weeks after I got drafted, I got a DUI at 20 mm. years old. You, mm. just, you make mistakes. You, you make, make mistakes. mistakes and, but but the problem is you have to be good enough to make those mistakes. Yeah. You got to be worth the problems that you bring to the building. The last thing a 37-year-old GM wants to talk about before his first draft is yep. you getting arrested in a parking lot. So, so they yeah. have to get that straight. Um, but it's so interesting, J-Mac, when you look at this Bears building because you don't, know really what you're going to get, right? We, none, none of us really know what Ryan Poles is as a general manager, right? right? He's 37 years old. Um, very impressive when he speaks. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Ian Cunningham comes with a great reputation. Uh, coach Eberflus has never been a head coach. Luke Getze has never been an offensive coordinator. Uh, when they bring these guys, uh, Jimmy Arthur has never been a head strength coach in mm-hmm. the NFL. When they bring in these new players, a lot of this stuff we're watching right now, Jay, is a, we're guessing. We're, we're really guessing guess. at what these guys are going to end up being and how they're going to end up running Hallis Hall because we've never seen them do the job they're about to do. Yeah, but the good thing, you know, and I know Poles is 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 new to this. He's new to being a GM, but he's been under a lot of great ones. And, you know, we mentioned that on, on previous podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, the – the tutelage that he learned under, you know, he's been in these rooms. He's been in many a drafts. Mm-hmm. He's been in all the war rooms leading up to the draft. He's seen how he's seen how different GMs, you know, how they maneuver and trade picks and how they can accumulate picks. He's been right there studying, soaking this up like a sponge. And like we say, it's just like a player, brother. When we came in this league, we were rookies and we had to look to the veterans and say, hey, look, you know, what is what is this guy? What makes this guy a pro? You know, and, and same thing with Poles. He's looking at all these guys that he was under, you know, uh, coming up through the ranks. What makes this guy successful as a GM? So he's seen some of the do's, the things that have worked, and he's seen a lot of things that don't work. But he's been able to implement his own style on it. And I think, you know, one thing that I really found interesting on this presser is when he said that, you know, they didn't do the same monotony all the time with the scouts and the coaches in the, in the draft process. He said they did, uh, he was talking about use some type of technology. I forget what it was called, but it was a poll. And he said a lot of times when you take a live poll and you say, hey, does everybody like this guy? Raise your hand. And there may be some people that don't like the guy, mm-hmm. but they just raised their hand anyway because everybody in the room was doing it. Mm-hmm. He said they did it through a phone to where they say, hey, everybody could, could, could make their, their pick based upon the guys that they like via phone. Mm-hmm. So that way everybody can get a real true assessment on how they valued that individual player or how they valued that position group. I thought that was a new, you know, a cool new way uh, to get guys more involved and to keep things, you know, uh, uh, spicy in, in, in the draft pro- in the draft room. How 2022 of them, right? I mean, they, they, yeah. listen, if you don't like, if you can't tell me you don't, if you can't right. raise your hand because other people, you exactly. can't be in my room. But, exactly. Um, it, I, I, you, you're obviously cheering for them to get this right please man, do to find some young good young football players please in this draft uh, how far are they away uh, from competing is, is what we don't know that's gonna that that really 
as much as this draft, maybe a young wide receiver kind of jumps on the scene sometimes, right? Yeah. But um, that really falls to Justin Fields, right? Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum. Mm-hmm. Does Eddie Jackson come back to form? What does Roquan Smith continue to do in Eber Flues' defense? Jalen Johnson. These are the guys, J-Mac, who at their point of their career, you want to see them take that step to be an all-pro, to be a Pro Bowl type player, to be your leaders, yeah. to show these young guys coming in how to be football players, how do you carry yourself. Um, these are the guys that really everybody's waiting on this draft. These are the guys I'm kind of watching, right? I'm watching, okay, now, what, what does Cody Whitehair do in this new outside zone scheme, yeah. right? What does Lucas Patrick turn into? Okay, is Larry Borum, are we comfortable with him at left tackle because – they're not going to get a starting left tackle in this draft for this year, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it would be um, interesting when Brad Biggs comes on and talk to him about the second wave of free agency. A lot of people talk about in May after the draft. Who's out there? Who else could they bring in to play that left tackle position? Because if all of a sudden, say, you know, Larry Borm had the injuries last year or you don't like him at left tackle. Yeah. Well, what do we got? Right, they yeah. just signed uh, Davenport from the Colts, but uh, he's more of a swing tackle type yeah. guy, right? Uh, what is Tevin? I think I, I'm excited to see Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to be a pretty good football player. I think that's what everyone thought he was coming out in a draft, right? Yeah. And I think when we talk about guys taking jumps, um, actually, I was listening to our last podcast, and you asked Brad Biggs who would take a jump. Yeah. And he mentioned Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, and you got to look at healthy, yeah, a healthy, healthy Tevin healthy, Jenkins, healthy. too. That's what I'm excited think, about. But not only that, but like the mentality he'll bring. Yeah. The culture, because that's really what a lot of people loved about him in last year's draft, right, is that he got after people. And we saw that a little bit when he came on the field, and mm-hmm. uh, him and Afedi, and Afedi shoved him after playing on that play. But um, this team, J-Mac, is, in my mind, is just – like it's like I'm guessing. It's just a huge. When I go through it, like you want to get excited about them, and it, you know, draft time. Like you know, this week, it's gonna be this crazy. week is awesome. There's rumor, I mean, there's already rumors. Yeah. Robert Quinn supposedly may get right. traded, and, and and the thing about it is, and, and you know, I know we're gonna get back to draft, but I'm gonna go back to what you're talking about in terms of you know this Chicago Bears team being an unknown. You know, we've been in this situation before, not necessarily with a new GM, but with a new coach. We went from uh, Dick Jerron to Lovey Smith mm-hmm. and Lovey came in and Lovey was a first time head coach right mm-hmm. and then we had Terry Shea who was a first time offensive coordinator you know and and then he brings in you know we had Anthony Thomas trained and you bring his you bring in Thomas Jones and it's like okay well what scheme are they going to run you know how the, how do, how do these pieces fit you know you bring in a Musa Muhammad now can he fit in this new scheme that they're implementing at Hallis Hall mm-hmm. the whole run game changed you know what I mean how yep. how will, you know we're not running duo anymore like that we're running something different you know he, uh, Shea brought over what was it Kansas City uh, the Priest Kansas Holmes City. they were running the Priest Holmes that, right. that we offensive were running line that. they had yes. yeah we yeah. were running that type of offense so it's like how do the pieces fit uh, w- with what was on our roster at that time, mm-hmm. how were we going to fit into that Kansas City offense? Could Thomas Jones be that Priest Holmes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Different things like that. So we've been a part of that yeah. before. But I think the thing that, that remains the same, and I think reason why we were successful, you know, under Lovey, even though we had those changes, you know, we went from Shea to uh, Ron Turner, mm-hmm. I think the good thing that we had, and I'll speak for myself in terms of my position coach, Spence, Tim Spencer, mm-hmm. was a great teacher, was a great developer. You know, a lot of times I felt, and, and I know there's no such thing as being overprepared, mm-hmm. but I felt like we were overprepared mm-hmm. because he would sit there on the grease board. What do you, what do you, what is your key right here when you see this? You know, who's coming? 
you know, you've gone over it hundreds of times. You can do it in your sleep where you're answering the question before he gets the whole question out. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a great teacher, constantly telling us, you know, different aiming points, you know, get your head on this side when you're making your block. T. Jones pressed the ball up into the line of scrimmage, you know, constantly honing in on the fundamentals of the game that was going to make us successful, but also enable us to execute whatever play that we were calling on Sunday. Yeah, that, that coach, like you're talking about, the developers in the build, the skilled developers in yes. the building, are so important, man. But um, when you look at that, like it's it's a good analogy, right? Okay, yeah. when, when we went from from Dick Geron to Lovey, and yes. things had to turn around. Well, well, Brian Erlacher was in the building. He was about to become defensive player of the year two years from then so mm-hmm. we're talking about Roquan Smith we're talking about guys taking jumps right mm-hmm. they drafted in 2003 two guys named Pina Tillman and Lance Briggs yep. right so important is these guys Mike Brown was already in the building right important are these yeah. guys taking you know there on your defense right there you got Mike Brown and Brian Erlacher you can put your leadership away you, you, you've you that's done yeah. that's so they got Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson Right, like you're saying, yeah. like they have some of these guys, yeah. And these are the guys, like as much as we got this draft week coming, and the draft is so exciting for a lot of these families and their uh, dreams coming true. And you, me and you've been through it; it's awesome, man. You, but, you, you had a better. You, well, you, you got I your name really, early. I, I had to wait. I had to wait. It's funny, man. Uh, I had to wait. I did it really because uh, it's funny. Um, I went into the draft, J Mac. I was 20 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I, I left early. I left uh, Washington early, and. I was. I thought I was the number one center in the draft. So mm-hmm. remember, on in in ninety eight, they had the first through the third rounds, all on one day. Yeah, I'll tell them. Yes, yeah. so yeah. it was. Um, gosh, I don't know. It was like six, seven hours long. Mm-hmm. But um, so we're up at seven in the morning in Hawaii because Hawaii is four or five hours behind, and. You know, I think Jeremy Newberry goes to the 49ers in the second round. Mm. Um, Halen was this guy's center's name. He went to the Atlanta Falcons with Dan Reeves. Them, mm-hmm. in, uh, I think he was second round too. Mm. So now there's two centers off the board to, for two teams that need centers. And I'm thinking, man, I'm not even going to get drafted on the first day. I remember, oh, Jamie, I was sweating. I know, sweating. You, I know so, you were pissed at the same here, time. Here, here's a funny, oh no, like, like, you know, because you're young, you're you're competitive. You yeah. want to be yep. the first center. But um, so the San Francisco went when Jeremy Newberry, who was the Cal center um, when I was at Washington. So we played in the same, um, we played in the Pac-10 again, mm-hmm. the same conference. Um, when the San Francisco, we, I knew the 49ers needed a center. I had met with them. Um, and you tell everybody, right? Like, don't, don't, don't ring the phone. Don't call me yes. on draft. Okay, so <laughs> the phone rings right when the 49ers are on the clock. Okay, <laughs> so, so the phone rings and the 49ers are on the clock. And I'm like, I'm a 49er, right? Like, yes. I picked the phone up. It's my brother in Vegas. He goes, oh, you get drafted man. yet? I said, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man, Jay. Man, I had, man, listen, man, listen, I, 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 oh, man. I ended up, uh, uh, obviously, a Luckily, uh, Dave Wants said, Tony Wise, Rick Spielman, yeah. they called me on my phone, the 64th tape. I, I literally thought I wasn't going into the second day. Oh, man. Because that's crazy, that's I didn't hear from anybody else, right? So you didn't think, and then the, the phone rang, and, and the rest is history. But I do remember that. it's a, it, was a, it was a long wait, man. It was a long day. Now, listen, like you said, I, I went earlier than you did. Yeah, uh, for but, sure. But um, I, I'll never forget that. Like, do not 
ring the phone. Man, I'm telling you, please don't. You know, you get it. I remember, you know, just waiting and knowing that I, you know, I'd be a, a late round, you know, either late round or high priority free agent. That was kind of what my agent told me. And I had visited a lot of teams and had a lot of private workouts with teams and had a great pro day and had good film. Um, so it was, you know, the waiting game, but you know, that whole day. And it's funny because it's funny how many people don't understand that a draft's going on and that you may get drafted. You know what I mean? I got, you know I mean? I got numbers calling me. It's like, Hey, did you order a pepperoni? Did you order a pizza? I'm like, who the hell ordered pizza? You know, and I stayed in like a football house. So it's like, I'm like, they're like, Hey, I'm like, who the hell ordered pizza? Like, man, I am sitting here waiting to see if I'm going to get an opportunity to live out my dream. Yep. And somebody's ordering a damn pepperoni pizza, bro. Like it, it's stressful, man. People don't realize it's stressful. But at the end of the day, when, when, each one of these guys, they do have that phone ring, and it's a team on the line. I mean, it's it's so fulfilling. It's it's a it's a you know it's something that I can't even describe. And I was an undrafted free agent, so I couldn't imagine, brother, of being you know going as drafting you know being drafted high like you were. But the feeling that you get that you're going to have an opportunity to go out there and, and and put on an NFL uniform, you know, something that some of these guys have dreamed about since they were born, some since they were in middle school, some since they were high school, whatever. But having that opportunity. You know, and I say opportunity because it ain't a guarantee you're going to make it one year. No matter where you go. Right. No matter where you go. It's hard to just get that opportunity. And that's something that I stress to to my kids at the high school. It's hard to get an opportunity to play college ball. Oh, yeah. Let alone anything. You got to earn it. But, uh, and we'll get, we got to get real faster this now. It it always just goes by, Jay. But, um, I think what is the most gratifying about that moment is seeing everybody around you enjoy it. You know, like, um, being from you know a small island and just my family and there's not a lot of college graduates and a lot of, not a lot of people actually even leave the island to get a chance and all of a sudden they get to enjoy with you and see how happy they are that's what makes you happy but Definitely. like you're saying immediately it hits you and you're like oh crap i gotta i remember thinking like what the hell am i gonna do in chicago <laughs> right right <laughs> well and does anybody know anything about chicago around here you know right. <laughs> and then and, and of course uh hawaii people are just like freezing their hole and I'm like I appreciate that I, I could have figured that out but uh, Jay I was watching a basketball game the other day mm-hmm. and um, is it both the Van Gundys do uh, commentating but the smaller one that the, the younger one is Jeff Jeff Van, Jeff Van Gundy. Gundy I think it's so Jeff yep. he said something and I, I think it might have been the Bulls game I was watching Okay, but he said something I thought um, when I think about drafting and kind of players that turn your building around. I, I thought, I found it interesting, and then we'll get into who are the guys, just maybe one guy, because we're, we're yeah. out of time here. Uh, one guy we, we were interested to see going the first round of draft, or whatever part of the draft. Mm-hmm. But he said, Jay, man, I want to know what you think about this. He said, competitive character, true competitive spirit. He said, everybody now knows what to say to the media after games. But when you watch, it's hard to find great competitors. And when you do, you may have to overpay for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's money well spent. And I think in this draft, the Chicago Bears, what they need to find is great competitors. Yes. Guys who come here and yeah. just football character, love to compete. Real quick, Jay, uh, my guy that I am interested to see get drafted. And I think this is the kind of draft everybody talked about. Um, not a lot of superstars in it. Although, they, you know, um, Sauce Gardner, the cornerback, uh, Hutchinson, the defensive end for Michigan. These guys look like, you know, yeah. they could eventually be players. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually, I'll give two guys real quick. Okay. 
Jordan Davis for Georgia. Yeah. I think he's kind of got lost in, in what everybody's talking about. Like I'm interested him. to see where like he him. shows yeah, like up. Four seven, a big man, monster. Ran well. Ran well. Athletic. I just think the kind of guy who 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 dominates games, doesn't fill up stat sheets, but uh, he seems like a raven to he's me. A, he's a dog. He's uh, a Georgia Bulldog. He's a dog, man. He's a dog. And then uh, Zion Johnson is a guard from Boston College. I I could I th- I could see him going mm-hmm. a lot earlier than people think because yeah. when you get into a draft where you're like, man, uh, all these guys from, I, I think they're saying like from 12 on to like 30 or something is all the same. You get a guy who can be an eight, 10 year pro bowler for you. Yeah. You draft, you know, I remember the Quinton Nelson argument. Should you take Quinton Nelson, a guard top 10? If the guy can play. Oh my goodness. If you can get yourself a 10 year pro bowler in the first round, take him. Go ahead, Jay. I'm, I'm telling you. No, I'm telling you. You're right on. Uh, the guys I like, I've been saying it for a long time. I've said it on podcast after podcast. I've tweeted it. You know, I like Alec Pierce. And I know there's a draft that's real deep at wide receiver. But when you look at how the receivers these past few years have come in the league and just set the league on fire, you know, the Jamar Chases, all those guys, I'm not saying he's going to have that type of season. But I think he has the ability to have that season. He's got size, he's got speed, and he can jump out of the gym. So you can find a niche for him in your offense. You know, he's got a big body as well. So you can find a niche for him in your offense. You can find ways to get him the ball because I think he is a guy that will develop in a, into a, a great playmaker. You think he'll go earlier th- than, than people think he will? I think he can based upon his film and the way yeah, he tests man. it. I mean, he, yeah. and he's a solid guy. I mean, he's a homegrown product, Glenn Ellen guy. Yeah. You know, I would love, I would love, I would. Did he run his 40 in, do you know? He he ran his 40 at 441, 40.5 inch vertical, but he's 6'3. And, and he got me by a half inch on his vert, yeah, yeah, He's just, he's, I, I'm tall, I'm taller than him by an inch. I'm six four and a half, but <laughs> I'm six four and a half, but hey, like Adam Hogue, Adam Hogue, he said he's six oh, yeah. three until they measure him. Oh, Adam, please. Oh, please. Man. But I mean, the thing, the thing I like about him though is, I mean, he, He's not afraid to go over the middle. He's tough. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll he'll make the contested catch, but also he'll high point the ball over defenders as well. So I mean, even if you get him in, you get him in right. You can carve out a niche for him as a rookie, especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you want to throw that fade, that back shoulder fade, he's a guy when he lines up, he could be a mismatch against a corner based upon his size and athleticism. Cincinnati has some dudes. They got some guys. Right? Sauce was on that team. Man, they got a safety. Uh, they got in a safety cook. I think his name. Yeah, that guy is. They got uh, some guys. That, I, I like to see him end up being. Chicago Bear. That yeah. guy, they, they need a safety who comes downhill and just smacks guys. Yeah. They need a tone setter. Uh, Matt Bowen, a guy who joins our show a lot, calls those guys tone setters. Tone set. That's what they need in the middle yeah. of that field. Uh, let yeah. Eddie roam and let someone else just take people's heads off. We got to get For to sure. Brad Biggs, Jay. Um, let's get to him. Looking for a taste of the islands? Look no further than No Foods. That's NOH Foods of Hawaii. No Foods was developed to reflect the many international cultures and races of the islands. Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Portuguese, Filipino, and more. Known for the wide variety of delicious seasoning and sauces. The products of No Foods can make anyone a master chef in their own kitchen. Easy to prepare and delicious in flavor are the hallmarks of No Foods. Again, that's NOH of Hawaii. Dishes like Chinese beef broccoli, Korean barbecue, Filipino adobo, Hawaiian kalua pork, and many, many more. Don't forget about the refreshing and very popular Hawaiian iced tea, sweetened with raw cane sugar and just the right touch of lemon. You can find NOH Foods online at Amazon.com 
and NOHfoods.com, also in many stores and supermarkets. As we say in islands, say yes to no. Aloha. J-Mac, we got a reoccurring guest again. Our guy just joined us in March, early March, March 11th. Talked about a lot of things there. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we got a guy. He's been covering the Bears since 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's on the beat for the Chicago Tribune. He's also on the score on Mullion Hall in the morning. I usually gets on before me. Takes all of my good good tidbits (laughs) before I get on there. We got our guy here, Brad Biggs. What's up, Brad? Hey guys, how are you? Hey Biggs, how you doing, my man? Thanks for joining us. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's an exciting time with the draft uh, upon us. Mm-hmm. You know, opportunity for uh, for all these players who who put in so much work uh, to uh, to get a shot to show what they can do uh, in the pros, and an opportunity for every one of these teams to uh, to get a little bit better this weekend. No, definitely. And before we get into that, we always like to start our show off with you, Biggs, and I'm a big fan of barbecue. Brother O is, too. Mm -hmm. What is on the barbecue? The weather keeps trying to break. It hasn't broke yet, but I know you've already broke out that grill. So what what do we got going on on the grill right now? I did. Last weekend, we had like the one nice day, right? You know, Saturday was pretty gorgeous. It kind of, we got teased with, uh, with what our 10 day spring will, will be like and uh i did a little brisket flat on the smoker but uh other than that it's uh yeah the weather's just been so crappy it's, it's hard to it's hard to wake up and say yeah i want to go outside and, and grill today you know like <laughs> right. A little bit of a struggle. Well, when this weather flips, me and Jay Mack are going to drive down there with maybe some uh, nice cigars, and we'll do a little barbecue, Biggs. But um, I know yesterday Ryan Poles was up there at the podium at Hallis Hall. Congratulations. We, we said it earlier on our podcast, but uh, you were there also for the uh, two Piccolo win- winners, Robert Quinn and Khalil Herbert. But just uh, what were your main takeaways from, from what you heard from new the young general manager? He must be excited. He's going to get this first draft at 30 I think he's still 37 years old but what were your takeaways from that press conference well I I think you know he mentioned a couple times and he said this previously they will be very uh, receptive and open to opportunities to trade down to add more draft capital they've only got six picks everybody knows they're without a pick in round one without a pick in round four and and they don't have a pick in round seven um, the real gap for them here, and you, you, you get over, you know, listen, you, you pay the bill that's due for the Justin Fields trade. So you're, you're fine sitting out the first round. But the real gap for them, guys, is uh, right now they're at, they're at 71 overall in round three, which, which is Friday night, and they don't pick again until 148 in round five. So that's a 77-pick gap. So you would think um, if they can potentially trade down with one of their picks Friday, they've got they're at 39 and 48 in round two, and as I said, 71 in round three. Maybe they can accumulate multiple picks, um, may, maybe for one later on Friday, and or or just add depth to their draft class uh, on Saturday because uh, you, you know he was hesitant use the rebuilding word and I can understand that for a general manager you know they want to create excitement uh, for the fan base for uh, ownership they want to give the coaching staff uh, 
some guys that they believe they can go uh, to, to battle with. But let's face it, they are in the beginning stages of a rebuild, and you need volume when it comes to draft picks. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, Biggs. I agree with you. And, and, and I looked at your, your mock draft 3.0 that came out the other day. And with the first pick, number 39 for the Bears, you said you have them selecting Logan Hall, a defensive lineman out of Houston. Uh, what What is so intriguing, um, in your opinion, on Logan Hall um, having him in a Bears uniform? Well, Hall's a guy who, who really kind of exploded this past season uh, at Houston uh, and – I think one of the appealing things about him for the Bears and other teams is he's got some versatility for that defensive line. He could he could play a little three technique for them, and obviously uh, that's what they tried to take a big swing at in free agency, right? They they sign or they agree to terms, excuse me, with Larry Ogunjobi on a three year contract for for forty point five million dollars, and and then you know, three days later the thing falls apart because of. Uh, medical medical concerns for Ogan Joby. So I look at that defensive line as an area where they not only are in search of um, talent and quality, they're in search of quantity. Uh, Eberflus has talked about wanting to use those defensive linemen in waves to keep them fresh, sort of, uh, sort of what Rod Marinelli uh, used to do uh, for the Bears. And, and we all know that Eberflus worked uh, with and under Rod Marinelli with the Dallas Cowboys. So you, you take a look at the missed opportunity with Ogan Joby and then what they did on the defensive line and free agency. You know, they, they got a couple guys uh, that are certainly going to figure uh, in the rotation, but, but they certainly haven't got that big piece that Ogan Joby uh, would have been. And uh, we all know how difficult it is to find that that explosive uh, interior lineman, the, the three technique type. So if Logan Hall is still available, some people think uh, he could even have his name called late uh, Thursday night at the back end of uh, round one. But if he's available when the Bears are up. That makes uh, a lot of sense to me. And I know a ton of people, guys, have talked about wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and they have to give Justin Fields some help. But when you're in the beginning of that rebuilding process, and, and I think we're comfortable calling that if the GM is, that <laughs> you, you got to start. You, you got to get good on both sides of the line before you do anything else. Because if you're not good up front, good luck. You're going to be in, you're going to be in store for uh, a lot of rough rides uh, on Sundays. If, if you can't play well uh, along the line. So, so I think, you know, you you, um, you rely on the depth at the wide receiver position and you look for some big guys uh, early on that can help you out. Yeah, Biggs, um, I hope that eventually Ryan Poles stops the, the Chicago madness of everybody complains about the O-line all year and then drafts receivers and defense <laughs> alignment and signs receivers and pass rushers. And if you want to fix the offensive line, let's fix that offensive line like you're mm-hmm. talking about. Um, the last time we had you on the podcast, Biggs, you actually nailed a lot of things, right, that came true. But uh, you talked a little bit about uh, the Pickle Award winner, Robert Quinn, and maybe – 
him getting traded and, and you had said that you could see it right before uh, the trade deadline and then we heard some Ian Rappaport came on and said that he, there were some rumors that could trade Robert Quinn but then he walked that back uh, could you see them trying to fill in that 77 pick gap uh, this weekend and actually moving Robert Quinn if they get a pretty good offer yeah I mean if, if they get an offer any anything's possible I, I just to me it doesn't make sense a 32-year-old Robert Quinn for the entirety of the season. Mm-hmm. Like uh, to me, you have to you have to turn an asset that's coming off an 18 and a half set season into something you can use to build moving forward. Robert Quinn isn't part of the future when this football team gets it turned in the right direction and headed with some real momentum toward winning football. I, I, he may still be in the league at that point, but by then he, he's, he's what, a situational uh, pass rusher. So it, it's finding a, a trade partner, someone that's willing to take on that salary of about $12 million, $13 million bucks uh, for this season. There's no, there's no guaranteed money in the contract anymore that would, that would complicate uh, a potential trade. Uh, maybe – He's got greater value in a couple months. Maybe uh, there's a team that uh, believes that will be a contender that suffers an injury at that position in training camp or preseason. Uh, maybe someone has an injury early in the season. That's the kind of thing that could, could create uh, action for the Bears. I don't think they're going to get uh, quite the return they got for Khalil Mack uh, in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of Quinn. But I do think he's an asset and something that could turn into uh, a future draft pick. And another thing to consider is, it was Ryan Poles, uh, what would he prefer if he had his choice, a 2022 draft pick for Quinn or a 23 draft pick? You know, the Bears are whole next mm-hmm. year, guys. They've got seven draft picks for 2023. You start trying to add to that uh, bunch. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of questions we could talk about, but I, Gosh, I would have to think at some point uh, they're motivated toward trying to trying to get him. Um, how much interest there is in, in Quinn around the league right now at that price point, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, Biggs, another another unknown who we talked about a lot on our podcast is David Montgomery. And, you know, trying to find out whether or not he is a fit in Getsy's offense. And, you know, we obviously know what Khalil Herbert did last year. You know, we think he's a better zone runner. But what is your thoughts on David Montgomery? I know you had an article about him a couple of days ago. Uh, talk about David Montgomery and, and what Eberflus sees from him. Yeah, and Montgomery, this is a big year for David Montgomery uh, because he, he's had a couple injuries. Uh, he, you know, and I, I think that knee issue after he returned from missing, I believe it was four games last year, guys. I, I think it still kind of affected him and slowed him down. You, you certainly didn't see him produce the same type of statistics after first contact, things like that. But, but I think he has the vision and the patience, uh, t- to be successful in this offensive scheme that they're going to run. You know, I, I don't know that he's a, a home run fit because, you know, his pass catching skills, he, he's, he's okay. You know, he can make some plays for you, but, it, but he's not a, he's not a dynamic guy in that, in terms of that, like, like Jesse had, uh, or worked with in Green Bay in terms of a, 
uh, Aaron Jones, and, and that's why a guy like that gets paid. Um, I don't think Montgomery holds a great trade value. I would imagine uh, in this draft class, most teams would say, hey, we, we can get a guy that's very similar to that on day three uh, of the draft. And, and that's fine, too, because Montgomery, I believe, brings some pretty solid leadership skills to the field, uh, the huddle, the locker room uh, as well. And, and as you start early in this process, uh, you need some of those blue guys to be around. Is, is he going to be a fixture in this offense long term? Maybe not, but th- that doesn't mean he can be productive. He cannot be uh, productive or successful for the Bears on the field this season. Hey, Biggs, with this, after this draft, there'll be that second wave of uh, free agency, second or third wave of free agency coming. Are there any names that interest you that are still out there uh, that the Chicago Bears could add to their roster to maybe uh, boost their depth that they obviously need and fill some holes? Yeah, I, you know, you've got to look at the positions, I think, after the draft and say, um, well, they either did or did not get a safety, right? I mm-hmm. mean, who's going to start next to Eddie Jackson? Um, and, and that's a spot that you could fill with the guy on the street right now. Or maybe uh, maybe someone's cut in the next uh, two to three weeks that's of greater interest. You do see, as you guys know, in the uh, you know, 7 to 21, 28-day period after the draft, you will see veterans cut who uh, other teams believe – you know, they've replaced or upgraded uh, via the draft. So I think you gotta, you got to be real cognizant of the positions where they're a little bit light uh, next week. And, and ones to keep an eye on right now, uh, safety, uh, cornerback, wide receiver. Uh, they're certainly, I think, in need of more defensive linemen, although, you know, it's a little unusual when you see quality defensive linemen cast off by other teams uh, in, in May. Uh, but but maybe a guy that can come in and give you 15 to 20 snaps a game, that kind of thing. But as far as specific names right now that I look at and say, hey, you know, post-draft, this is a guy they might be interested in. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know that I have any for you. Uh, a returner, you know, who, who are they going to have? Uh, what do they want to do uh, with that situation? So a lot of different positions. Hopefully, uh, you know, a week out from the draft, you can look at this and say, hey, you know, there were a bunch of holes, and, and I think they've got some options to fill some of these. You know, they've got so many players on short-term contracts, a lot of them one-year deals. And obviously the hope is that a good handful of these guys pan out and, and are contributors, and they look like fits that, hey, this guy's uh, still only 26 years old, 28, 29, whatever, Let's sign him to another contract. Let's let's get him on a two year deal or a three year deal, um, and and have him, you know, be a part of what we're doing moving forward here. I, I think that's what they've got to look at. But they've also, you know, as much as like Olin said earlier, you know, as as much as they've talked about improving the offensive line at how tall, that that's got to be a focus for Friday in this draft. You, you've got to look at some names and say. You know, is there a player here that profiles as a potential tackle hmm. or is there in which case, if you get one of those guys, maybe you take one of the guys you've lined up at tackle here recently and kick them inside or do they look at an interior guy? Because to this point, the only 
uh, real addition here has been Lucas Patrick, who they've uh, complimented mm-hmm. uh, multiple times for leadership, toughness, you know, a lot of these intangibles that I think he's going to bring. Uh, but, but I also know that when you're following the NFL and you want to um, set uh, sort of a baseline for expectations for a player, you do that by one of two means. You, you look at the draft status, where was he picked? Or you look at the size of the contract. So in the case of Lucas Patrick, we're talking about an $8 million two-year deal. Okay, so you've got a $4 million a year offensive lineman. Set your expectations uh, accordingly there. So that, so they've got to come out of that day two of the draft with uh, with help at the, on the offensive line. Yeah, Briggs, I know, you know, post pressure, he was talking about, you know, the energy that there there has been in, in up there at Hallis in practice and, you know, in terms of the guys. And, you know, he mentions, uh, he mentioned Patrick as being a, a catalyst in which guys are gravitating to. Uh, how has the energy been out there at practice? Have you been out there? Have you seen the energy? Have you seen guys, you know, sort of, you know, taking more of a leadership role? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you've got sort of a natural turnover for that, right? Because you've had, you know, a lot of veterans have, have been shipped out one way or another. So you've, you've got some younger guys there. I, I was there for the, uh, the first mini camp. You hire a new head coach, you get a, you get two mini camps, not one. Uh, and the first one's voluntary and, and they had uh, solid participation numbers. And, and I would say the energy was good. Uh, but I will say this, J-Mac, I, I don't know that I've been to one of those initial mini camps for a new staff where you've walked away and said, boy, the energy was crap here today. Right. To me, to me, the real news would be, yeah, they, they had a mini camp and the energy was just, it was a, it was a thud, it, you know, no buzz mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Then you've got news. So, so saying they had a good vibe and good energy, that that's to be expected. That's, that's a natural uh, phenomenon that comes with change when you have turnover within the building and a new staff. And, and so um, that's to be expected. That's, that's almost mandated uh, for, for what's out there. And they're just kind of ba- putting in some of their base stuff in the playbooks. And then they're, they're going to build off of that. And I would imagine when they wrap things up for the offseason program in mid-June with, with the mandatory minicamp, Things will look uh, a little bit crisper and, and likely be run at a at a slightly faster pace. They so were going kind of slow, but um, you know, a lot of times you hear talk, coaches talk about wanting to go fast, wanting to go fast, and 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 that makes sense. But I think at the stage where they're at, where they're just they're just getting the basics down, you want to go slow so it's done it's done properly. So there's an understanding of you know why this play is being run this way, what your assignment is on this play and how that affects the man to your right, the man to your left, and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. You're listening to the No Name Football Podcast. He's Jason McKee. I'm Olin Krutz. We're being joined by Brad Biggs. You can find him at Brad Biggs on Twitter. Uh, Brad, on our first segment, uh, me and J-Mac gave a couple of players that we were excited about in this year's draft, just to see where they go, even though the Bears probably don't have a shot at them. I I, I picked Jordan Davis and Zion Johnson, and, and uh, J-Mac picked Alec Pierce, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Uh, do you have anybody in this draft that, that you're kind of just interested to see where they go and follow their career as it goes through the as they go through the NFL. 
Well, you know, it, it's funny you ask that. I was talking to uh, a guy that, that um, you know, brings a lot of good information this morning, and he said, you know, because I was asking him about offensive linemen and, you know, what, what could be out there for the Bears, and, and he mentioned that um, – Luke Godeke, I believe mm. that's how it's pronounced, mm. uh, um, offensive lineman out of Central Michigan, said he had a really strong pro day workout earlier this month, and that uh, from his understanding, there had been quite a bit of buzz in the uh, offensive line coaching community about him since, and and I think some people view him as a potential top of the second round, some top half of the second round uh, selection. He played some offensive tackle at Central Michigan, where, of course, Bernard Raymond played. He's a guy that teams are looking at as a tackle if they're comfortable with knee issues, uh, which he's had. And, and he's a, like a transfer student from Austria. Mm. Um, and, he, and he actually started at Central Michigan as a tight end, and the guy just was too big for tight end. And so – um, he's sort of raw as a left tackle, but Godeke, his teammate, is probably a little bit more polished um, and uh, might project as a guard at the NFL. So it, talking to this guy who's usually had really good information for me, throwing that name out there and saying that he, he thinks his name has been pretty hot with offensive line coaches in the last couple of weeks, that sort of um, caught my attention and my ears perked up a little bit. Um, in, in terms of wide receivers, uh, there's a lot to like out there. And, and you never know how they're going to work out because, you know, if the quarterback's not playing well, it, it's going to be difficult. And you don't know how they're going to adjust to the offensive uh, system. But the ability to win 50-50 balls uh, down the field and, and some of the physical traits, I think George Pickens of Georgia, mm. who – Probably more people say is around two picks. Some people think could go in round one. I know our friend uh, Matt Bowen likes his game a lot. He's he's kind of an interesting guy uh, in my eyes as well. But Alec Pierce uh, has certainly helped himself a ton at the combine with the measurables and the workouts uh, he put up. And and I would imagine he's a guy that probably gets his name called uh, sooner rather than later on Friday night as well. Well, Biggs, man, enjoy the draft. Uh, it's always an exciting time for everybody. The NFL season gets going and gets ramped up a little bit. Uh, watching all these young guys achieve their dreams is always fun. Uh, we'll obviously be checking back in with you again. Thank you for joining us. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Biggs. Hey, guys. It's Olin Krutz, and I want to tell you about Tequila Embajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Whether it's celebrating a big win or just kicking back after work, adding tequila in Bajador takes every gathering to the next level. The care, quality, and patience put into each and every bottle of tequila in Bajador can be tasted from the first sip to the last. And it's why we're honored to call them our teammates. Go to their website, EmbajadorTequila.com, and use the code Kick off 10 and receive your discount on your next purchase of tequila in Bajador, the official tequila of the No Name Podcast. Well, that does it for our show today on the No Name Football Podcast. We thank all of our listeners for listening and supporting us on all the social media platforms. Make sure you download our podcast. We're on all the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, 
Whatever your choice is, make sure you download it. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Give us a rating if you like. Hopefully, it's a five-star rating, but if not, give us a rating anyway. Uh, we like your uh, feedback and criticism that uh, things we can improve on upon our show. But before we go, as usual... Man, I want to suit up right now. In the words of the great Mike Brown, you guys keep making plays in life, and we'll keep making these great podcasts for you. We're out, and we'll see you next time, Chicago. Take care. God bless. Mahalo.